Hi, my name is Theo, and you are listening to Between Two Trains. We bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area on the 1st and 15th of every month. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas and Eric Most. And now, Between Two Trains. Welcome to another edition of Between Two Trains. I am your host, Van Pappas, and I have back with me uh, a previous co-host, Eric Moss. Eric? Hello, hello. Yeah, welcome back. You know, I had to do a couple episodes by myself, which was an interesting endeavor, but I'm glad to have a co-host to, to help out. And, you know, thank you for all that you did in 2018. I thanked all my other co-hosts uh, the last episode and I think 2019 here is going to be a really great year uh, for Between Two Trains. I got some ideas for some other creative things to do with our podcast and with helping really our local entrepreneurs. And we have a great one that we're going to bring on today. His name is Lee Miller, and he has a business here in Chambly called Elite Hoops. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me today. Yeah. Excited to be here. All right. So tell us what Elite Hoops is. Elite Hoops is a basketball company based here in Chambly. We do skill development training. We offer Nike basketball camps, three-on-three leagues, shooting clubs, and travel teams. So we run the gamut in terms of basketball. We have players as young as six, and we have players as old as 36. Anyone in between? 36. So I'm, I'm out of the world. I mean... I right now, we, we can always bring you back in if, for, if, you, if you get a pro at 40, contract. At 48, I, oh, I have to have a pro contract? I can't just come uh, and Unfortunately, say, most of the people that train with us that are in their 20s and 30s. Are so I, I want to I be better at my pickup league, uh, you know, pickup game on at uh, Keswick Park. I can't come and practice. That we'll discuss some new business opportunities that you're presenting to us right now. So well, we are going to talk about those business opportunities and uh, you being an entrepreneur here on the show. And so um, tell us a little bit about... So you, you're basically training people uh, on basketball. That's that's the, the easy definition. Right. But I think it's a little more complex than that, correct? It is. Uh, as I mentioned, we train players you know, that are six years of age and 36 years of age, everyone in between. It's skill development training is what the majority of our business is. But a lot of it is mental side of the game as well. You know, the way our coaches encourage the kids, the positive environment we have, the energy uh, that that's all part of it, as well as the actual basketball, the dribbling, the passing, the shooting. So, for the kids side, I, you know, I know you said you've got professionals, you know, adults that you're training as well. But for the kids side, you know, let's say I've got my 12 year old and he is in a church basketball league and he's okay, but he's definitely not the next LeBron James. You know, is that the average? customer of yours or or are you really just dealing with the kids that have a future you know in college or beyond no we we deal with kids all across the board the the bulk of our kids are exactly as you described a sixth or seventh grader who isn't playing major league competitive but is playing in a rec league a church league but they want to get there so th- those are the kids that we have whether i always tell parents and and players whether you're a beginner who wants to now maybe average five or six points, or you're the kid who's averaging five who now wants to average 10, or you're the 10, 10 point per game score and you want to become a college player. We elevate every single player's game, whether they're a beginner or whether they're the elite prospect. We have everybody uh, in, in our program. Now, Eric, you were an athlete, right? I've, I was. You, you uh, if, if I'm correct, you actually played for Notre Dame football, right? Was the punter at Notre Dame and also pitched on the diamond 
You pitched for Notre Dame baseball? I did. I did not know that. Two sport athlete. I thought I knew everything about you. Well, you learn something every day, huh? So, you know, obviously, um, you know, you, you weren't playing basketball, but, you know, what do you think of Lee's program here where he's educating? I mean, you know, how early did you start playing sports as an athlete? Well, I, I, was, a multi, I was a three-sport athlete all throughout yeah. Uh, my development all the way through senior year. What was the third sport? sport? Basketball. Basketball. Okay, great. Ba- basketball, unlike any, I'll tell you, day one of baseball tryouts, I was the best. I was, I was the best shape. Um, I had the best endurance. Um, you know, and you have certain skill sets that I think you develop through other sports that help you become mm-hmm. better in each respective sport. What I find fascinatingly, and just question for you, when I was in sixth grade, I grew six inches in six months. And so you, you literally see kids, you know, through that life cycle, through that growth cycle. Mm-hmm. How do you start talking to a kid about maybe switching a position from maybe point guard to shooting guard, shooting guard to forward, so on and so forth? Yeah, great question. That That's something that I answer every single day for, for parents, honestly. Um, the good part is even since you were in school, the game's changed so much. It's gone from the old NBA where you used to have two big guys on the court and everybody had to be tall. The the Steph Curry three-point evolution in basketball has changed that. So really 90% of how we train players is guards and wings. If people come to us and they're a quote unquote big, big player in their league or they want post moves, there's not a lot of demand for that. We don't teach it. And it's sort of a cycle in the sense of we don't teach it. So there's no big players that play at schools throughout Metro Atlanta. And then because there, there aren't big players, they're not on television and people don't request it. So um, to answer your question there, we, we teach a lot of guard stuff. It's more more the dribble, dribbling, the passing. We don't teach a lot of back to the basket, basket, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon. No. That's that's not a part of the game anymore. So we don't teach very, no, very much. No that. hook shot from, uh, you know. It's not worth three points. So uh, <laughs> we're not going to teach it right now. The wonders from down under are, are going beyond the three-point line. How tough is it to control – a kid who may have a lot of confidence in that that long ball three, but it's just not a high percentage shot for most amateur players. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you kind of approach that? Um, I've got a funny Steph Curry story personally um, from my past, but I just kind of want to start by saying, how, how would you kind of just say to the general audience, um, somebody's got confidence, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that three ball, but it's just not high percentage. So what's really tough, again, as we talked about the evolution of basketball over the past, you know, 10 or 15 years, mm-hmm. what's really tough with our travel teams is that parents want to win the games and obviously kids want to win the games. And so sometimes the way three-pointers work, even for our young players, there's there's a company we use that's based out of uh, New York called Crossover, Crossover with a K. They do all of our stats. They track all of our players' games. Kids can download videos. They can actually see every single shot that they take throughout a year. They can click on a shot chart, uh, and it says whether they made or missed a shot. In addition, when they click on it, it'll actually show the video of that shot. We have this for our third graders. Wow. My point with that is that the three-pointer, obviously, for all age groups is a lower percentage shot, but the new analytics of basketball, you look at points per shot. So we found out, for example, all of our nine teams last year, every single team shot better from 22 feet two feet behind the three-point line than they did from the actual 20-foot mark. And so what we were able to discover from that data is that being two feet further back from the three-point line, while that might drop your percentage a little bit, you're now two feet more open, and it gives you a little bit more space. 
to answer your, your exact question about not letting players shoot, that's where we have to train parents. Uh, a 20% three-point shooter is really bad on the front. You might sit there and say 20% is really bad, but it's worth 50% more than the two-pointer is. So while we don't want kids to shoot a lot of threes at a young age, it does help you win a game sometimes because if you're shooting 20%, if our third grade team shoots 20% on threes, we're going to win the game. They're not a lot of good shots, but just because the point value of this, of, of that shot, it makes it so important. So a lot of what our coaches have to do is just train parents and the kids on the proper form when they're shooting and um, get them a little bit closer to the basket. Sounds yeah. like money ball. It is. It is. The basketball from, from the baseball. It's, from it's the baseball. all about the statistics and the analytics. And, and that's why big players aren't in the game as much anymore. The, now, I came, I came to, Eric, I came to Lee's facility to check it out because um, I'm considering putting my my 12-year-old in the program. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a re some really interesting, I, I wish I, I was thinking, okay, he's, he's going to have a goal at one end of the warehouse and a goal at the other end of the warehouse. And there we go. But he's got some really interesting technology and equipment there uh, that he put my 12-year-old to the paces with. Um, you talk, talk us a little bit about some of those equipment that y'all have in there that, that are helping the kids with that analytics. Sure. That so, data. so one system we have in there is, uh, you might have used this growing up playing basketball. Um, it's a, called a shoot away. It's a gun. And so what it does is it rebounds every shot for a kid. There's a huge net right around the around the goal. It'll collect almost every shot unless it's a really bad shot. Makes or misses, it'll collect it. And it'll pass it back out to you. There's 17 spots that it can possibly pass to you. Uh, the new version that we got that came out about a year ago it's app enabled, so the kids can, if they bring in their phone, connect the shoot away with their with their phone. It actually keeps track of all their shots, makes and misses for them. And so, what's great over time, kids can see their improvement uh, when they come into the gym with us. See that they made 40 out of 100 today, 41 out of 100 the next day. So, do you sit down with the kid afterwards, you know, with like a printout or something that shows, you know, here's where you need to work on? I mean, how much of that data are you using with the kid? So again, that goes to their phone. So most kids will, you know. They'll show it on the on the on their phone with us, or we'll show it uh, to their parents. So they have it real time right there. As soon as the shot goes in or it or it misses, it's putting up on the screen on the system as well as on their phone if they're using that. So that's something that, in terms of the shoot away, it's more for repetitions. So you, a player can easily get a middle school player can easily get 600 shots in an hour off that system with us. Wow! But we don't want to put them on that system, and this is where it's subjective a little bit. But we don't put players on that. A shoot away unless they're at least a B shooter. There's no reason to put a C shooter. If they don't have good form, we want to work with them individually at a goal. It's not about repetition. It's about getting the form. So they have to at least, whether they're a fourth grader, we have some fourth graders who are B or better shooters. They have good form. We can put them on there or our high school players. It's not about your age. It's about your form and whether you're consistent with your shot or not. And so you're analyzing that and determining what that grade is? That's something that you're doing? It is. It's a gray area. So it's not a hard and fast, oh, this is, this gets definitely a B. We sort of watch them, might test them on the on on the gun or the shoot away to see what he can shoot. But it's sort of a subjective thing at the end of the day in terms of whether the player is good enough to shoot on that. Because what I, I gave this example the other day, if a kid is doing math homework and he does an hour of homework a day on the front, that sounds good. But if he's doing one plus one equals three, two plus two equals six, he's not doing the right work. And ultimately that's going to hurt him. So we don't put players on the gun, the shooting system, unless they're at least, uh, you know, confident in their shot and have really good form. Now that's not the only technology you have. You have some other pieces of equipment there. We do. As I mentioned, we have on our screens, we have uh, the crossover system for our travel teams. They can come in and, and see their stats and their, 
shot charts and all those good things. So we do have that in our conference room. We also have a system called Handle Fitness by a company, uh, Laser. It's an individual European pro basketball player who came up with it about two years ago. And he uses the Microsoft Connect technology to watch watch our players. They're, they're training in our gym. And the Microsoft Connect uh, technology will pick up their body movements. And on the screen that we have there, he's performing different moves. Or it's, it's sort of a guitar hero for basketball. So different moves are being put up on the screen, and the players have to do them in a timely fashion at the right speed. And it gives you a score every 45 seconds. So uh, this is probably an expensive system. It's not something I can buy for my Xbox at home. No, you can't buy it just for your Xbox. It's an okay. entire complete system. Complete it, is a system. Few, it is a few thousand dollars. And it's that pieces like that, the shoot away and the handle fitness, are for your more, not elite athlete, but just the person who's more serious right. about the game. I'm not just a rec league kid. They can use it, but I always tell parents there, there's a big time investment. There's a money investment. So, again, if you're the five-point-per-game score and you have no aspirations to play in the NBA, but you want to be a 10-point-per-game score the next year, our, our facility is a place for you. So, Lee, you're, you know, on the surface, you know, this is a, you know, you might think differently, but now we talk, you're running more of a tech company Right, you know, than you, than sure. you are any other type of organization. Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you said that because, you know, obviously this is really interesting about the basketball side. I want to talk more about that. But let's flip the script here and talk about the business side and you being an entrepreneur. So where in the world did you come up with this idea to sort of run? Is there other organizations that do this or are you sort of like a standalone guy or no, there are there are definitely other competitors in the market, not only here in Atlanta, but we're in seven other cities across the southeast. So there are competitors. I tell people that any business is a lot of hard work, but a lot of luck. The business that I'm doing today did not exist 20 years ago. I mean, there, there were no basketball training or baseball training facilities. You played for your high school team, your rec league. That was it. You didn't you didn't do stuff. Now there seems to be a lot of them. There's also a, a baseball one. Uh, what's it called? D-Bat. D-Bat, yeah. yeah. There's ninth inning. There's yeah. uh, numerous. And so what we're trying to do with basketball is what karate has done for karate. Yeah. You know, there's over 120 karate yeah, training right. centers in Atlanta, but basketball is a much bigger sport. It's that most people just um, you know go to their church league or, or play with their coach, and we're trying to change that. Right. So tell us a little bit about being an entrepreneur then. So you decided, you know, the light bulb went off, said, hey, I'm I'm going to do this. How? Tell us a little bit about that story, how it started. So the light bulb was in 2003. I was working on my MBA at Mercer University. And one of our classes, we had to come up with a business plan. And my business plan was Elite Hoops. At the time, I was in advertising sales uh, for a Fortune 500 company, Prime Media, doing basketball on the side, coaching at Blessed Trinity High School in Roswell, doing some training and got connected with some really high-level players. Uh, at the time, one of them, Lou Williams, who's now with the Los Angeles Clippers, started working with him a little bit. And as I worked on the business plan um, in 2004, spring of 2004, um, quit my job at Atlanta Apartment Garden in advertising sales and put all my chips on the table. And 14 and a half years later, this is where we're at. So it was, uh, it was definitely a dream of mine. Well, what, so what was that? Uh, you know, how scary was that to say, hey, I've got this regular job. I'm earning an income and I'm just going to put it aside, you know, uh, you know, and start this startup company, which 14 years ago and not a lot of people were probably doing, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, what was that like? It was it was definitely scary. Um, it probably wasn't as scary as for some people. I mean, at, at the time, honestly, I 
I was dating my, my wife now. We didn't have, you know, any kids. I didn't have a didn't have a mortgage, so I had an apartment, had had minor expenses. So it was I won't say that it was extremely tough, but right. you know, today starting a business now with three kids at home and a wife and all those good things, it would be very, very, very yeah, right. tough. So it I, I guess everything's relative to your age. At the time it probably seemed really tough and I did leave a pretty good job with with pretty good money. Um, but obviously I have no regrets. I, now you're, you are the sole owner. Do you have any equity partners or is it just you? Just me. Just yes. you. So, um, when you started this, it was not just, I, I use this term a lot on the, the show and Eric's heard me say, you know, a side hustle. Um, you jumped in, you, you didn't keep working at your other job while you started this company. So, you know, how did you finance that? Was it strictly out of your own pocket or did you have to go out and borrow money to do that? Yeah. So, uh, I was fortunate enough to have saved up money. It was my first official business. I had probably run six or seven businesses from the age of eight. My, my nephew was asking me the other day about the businesses that I'd run, but I was washing cars when I was younger um, I had, so you're always an entrepreneur. Always. One of the things that, uh, in, I, I pulled this up at my mom's house the other day, May 12th, 1990 at the Radisson Inn in Dunwoody was the first time I was 12, no, 11 years old. Uh, baseball cards used to be super popular back sure. then. Sure. Oh yeah. And at age of 11, I rented a table. I don't have the price, but Radisson Inn in Dunwoody rented my own table and I had, I was my own card dealer at the, you know, most of the people there were 40, 50 years old. And I, that, that was one of my first businesses, I guess, sort of buying and selling. This was like a card show? It was a card show, yeah. But I, you I started own table and you had my own table, but I sort of learned, you know, sales and, and how to make money. So, um, honestly, I had saved awesome. up a lot of money since I was eight years old. You that, still collect baseball cards? No, but I still have every single one that I've ever had. Yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. So, you didn't, you didn't weren't very good at selling them then? <laughs> so not, well, not every single one, but the ones that I ended up with whenever I stopped collecting right. at 14. I still when I grew up and said, okay, I don't need to collect baseball cards anymore. Buy and hold strategy. I've, I've, <laughs> I've got a, a few thousand in a closet in my house. Uh, you want to buy them? Possibly. It depends <laughs> on who, who they are and what the, what the I used to uh, trade beer cans and collect beer cans. I'm not that old. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, but to, the, back to your financing question. So I saved up a lot of money over my years. And then I did have to, as I started it full time, I still had to do a couple jobs for the next, I guess, three or four years. Uh, substitute taught, did some deliveries and did some eBay businesses and things like that. But in 2008 was literally the spring of 2008 was it, it's been full time since then. All right. So you opened this uh, location here in Chambly not too long ago, right? How long have you been in that location in Chambly? About eight months. Eight yeah. months. Mar- okay. March so did you have a facility somewhere else? Because you've been in business now 14 years. Right. Where were you doing it before Chambly? We rent on any given day here in Atlanta, we're in three different gyms. We rent gyms, uh, Peachtree City, Cobb County, Gwinnett County, all, all across Metro Atlanta. So for the first 13 years, you didn't have a physical location. You were just renting other gyms. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. High school gyms, rec centers. So uh, why why have your own then? What, what made that change after 13 years of doing it one way? Um, I think two things. One, when you're renting a facility, we don't have the branding in that gym. And it, for lack of a better phrase, I guess it doesn't seem like a legit business sometimes when you're just going into a place and, you know, our, our coaches and, and we're there and we put up a couple banners, but it's not our gym. So that's something that we wanted, wanted to do for, for a number of years. The second part is as our program's grown, we've just limited in time with the, our facilities that we rent. Some of the churches and schools won't let us in until six o'clock in the evening. We have to be out at certain times on Saturdays. 
now we have our own facility and we're still running some other facilities as well but now we can have workouts at any time any day any place and so all right so we we have a location now we've been doing this for a long period of time what is the 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 pricing model around if i wanted to bring my kid in you know am i paying by the session am i paying you know is it like a membership like a gym membership where you know i'm plopping down my you know 20 dollars a month or 50 dollars a month or whatever it is how's it work right so we have sort of three different prices we do have the walk-up price if someone wants to test out a session and they just want to come in and have never trained before have they've never done anything outside of their normal basketball leagues those depend on location and length of class but those are a walk-up is usually 30 or 35 dollars somewhere around there what majority of our kids have been doing for the past 13 years is register for six to eight weeks at a time we have five different seasons and sort of aligned with basketball season and school season those classes get the price down to 25 to 28 dollars per class but our new thing that we're rolling out with this facility and as we add more facilities is a membership model where it's a much more affordable price for families but they do make a, a school year commitment to us of nine months so eric i know you don't have a kid yet what do you think uh, it's fascinating you know? but you're also still in that uh that six to 30 what do you say the oldest six to 36 is yeah 36 you're you're under 36 right no, no one would want to see some injuries out there on yeah. the court. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stay you off you have to you sign know. a health and waiver form health and release form yeah yeah i um yeah basketball was my worst sport it um but I loved it. It's almost like so we can help almost like John it. Smoltz. John Smoltz says at the, you know, the Atlanta pitcher, mm -hmm. basketball was his favorite sport. Yeah. Um, but he was better at baseball. That kind of was was my thing. Um, I just I loved the game. I think I liked the fact that it was challenging, mm -hmm. and you've got so many different levels. And Lee sees this all the time between your church leagues, you know, your elementary school kind of. You know, I played during the fall to where hey, I could do this more you know, in multiple seasons right. and just the challenges. Once you go to a regional level, you start playing other players and then you kind of know those players mm -hmm. in the city, in the region, nationally, um, you know, but in, as far as today, Van, you don't want to see me out there on the court. Um, I, I could throw up well, enough bricks to, to build Lee another building if well, you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are up to our commercial break that we're going to have to take to, to hear from our sponsors. So we will take a short break and we will be right back. And Lee, when we come back from the break, we're going to play a game called Hot or Not. So uh, awesome. y'all stay, stay tuned for uh, the rest of our interview with Lee Miller from Elite Hoops. Looking for an affordable, functional, and creative space to work? Check out 3411 Coworking in downtown Chambly. They have flexible month-to-month -month office space options that include fiber internet, meeting rooms, printing, coffee, snacks, and networking events. 3411 Coworking is the perfect place for entrepreneurs, remote workers, and small business owners looking for a one-stop shop for your professional needs. Stop by for a tour Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and see how 3411 Coworking can work for you. Welcome back to Between Two Trains. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, you can hear us on our website or any of your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, just check us out. And uh, as I often say, you could, Eric, you can almost get like an education in being an entrepreneur just from listening to Between Two Trains. Uh, so, Lee, we're going to play Hot or Not. Uh, Eric, I'm going to let you throw up the first fastball or in this case, the first shot. All right. Hopefully it's not an air ball, but we'll see. 
Um, as a coach um, who's coached, you know, at the middle school level, you know, for the last eight years, um, what I call helicopter parents who are always hovering around, hot or Ooh, not. That is probably one of the best hot or nots I've ever heard. I might cover my bases here in case parents are listening and say hot and, <laughs> hot and not. Um, it, it is something that I talk to everybody about, but that, that's a huge thing in, in helicopter parents. They're, they're passionate about their kids. Living uh, through their kids. Right. They want the best for their kids. They want them to play at Notre Dame. They yeah. want them to play professionally. Right. Um, it, it's every coach, have, every program. Do you have kids of professionals come? We do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not just basketball, but we have – Atlanta's a huge city for sports. We do have a couple uh, former Falcons, a couple yeah. um, former NBA. I don't know if we have any former Major League Baseball, but football and basketball for sure. We yeah, have some pro kids uh, in our program. So you said it's hot, but could be not hot. Tell us why it could not be hot. Yeah. Is uh, it just uh, overbearing on the kid? Or? Yeah, I've, I've seen this a lot. Uh, fortunately for us, not as much in basketball, but baseball. I've seen so many players that have come to us because their parents have been partly their parents, um, partly the program itself, but overbearing parents in baseball is that it's just so crazy that we've had a lot of two sport players, middle school that come basketball full time because the baseball is, is too, too much, just too much for them. Yeah. Not, not saying it doesn't exist in basketball. I think it exists in every sport. Um, and even more so today than it did for us 20 and 30 years ago, for sure. And I co I've coached baseball the last eight years. That's part of where my question was stemming from. Yeah. Um, good answers. So, all right, hot or not, um, a five-year business plan. You've been in business a long time. When you started, did you create a business plan? Is it hot to have a business plan or not? Hot. Yeah. I would definitely say hot. Hot to have a business plan right now, working on a, a three, five, and a 20-year plan. Wow. No, no, they're not 20 pages in length, but just wh where the business wants to be, That's where we want to be. Impressive, uh, thinking that far out. out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, by that point, you'll be thinking about exit strategy, right? Uh, someone asked me the other day about, you know, when the when the lottery was a billion dollars, what right. would I do? And I said this. I would right. build more gyms and hire more people. I literally love what I do. Wouldn't wouldn't think about doing anything else. Yeah. So is your plan to do this into your old age? I mean, you. I, I'm assuming... You could do this well into your 60s. Yeah, as the business has grown really over the past few years, I'm a little less on the court. I used to be on the court 40 hours a week yeah. and in the office 30 hours a week. Now it's a little bit less on the court doing more of the business side of it. But yeah, I mean, I can easily do this until, you know, the day before I die. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the business side. So, you know, do you have employees that help or is it just you hiring coaches to, to do the coaching, like on the business side, admin side, are you wearing every hat or do you have some, some admin staff? No, we have a front office manager who sort of runs all of our business out of our Shambly office. We have four other full-time coach employees um, that, that have been working for us for a number of years. And then depending on the season we have here in Atlanta during the summer, we might hire an additional 24 to 28 uh, coaches during the summer. Most of those are professional players overseas that are coming back, they're high school coaches, they're college coaches that are looking for extra work during the summer. So five, five full-time uh, employees. So here. you have more business uh, outside of the basketball season? Like right now we're about to start, you know, most church leagues, rec leagues right. are starting. So you having more kids coming to you now or they're coming to you before the season? The, 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 the big, two biggest seasons, as I mentioned, we sort of have a five-season 
business. But the biggest seasons are preseason, which is August to October before the league. So everybody wants to prep and get their game yeah, right for yeah. the league. And then summer, just because kids are out of school. But the rest of the year is busy, just not crazy busy as right. summer and fall are. So once the league start, is it you know too much on the kid to try to do your program and play because they're practicing with their team, they're playing like Saturday mornings, and then where they come in to you one or two days a week? I, I would say most of our kids, and that's one reason we're going to the membership model, just to smooth out our revenue a little bit and make it a little bit easier for, for parents throughout the entire year. But in terms of basketball, the kid who was coming to us one day a week might not come to us because they weren't crazy serious before. The kid that was coming three days a week comes once or twice. And the kid that was coming twice may, probably comes once. Yeah. So everyone bears bear, bear down just a little bit because now they're um, jostling with time with their league. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Coaching style, Lee. Bobby Knight's coaching style. Ooh. Hot or not? <laughs> Hot. Hot. Really? In terms of what kids need today. I don't think a lot of people – give that as much anymore but in some sports at least in basketball you've heard daddy ball before and things like that i think it's become um so popular now to you know stroke kids egos and be soft and be easy by no means like truly bobby knight but right. we all need to be throwing chairs no or, or doing some of the other things that he does headbutting people headbutting people we do not do that but in terms of discipline that's a huge part that i think a lot of programs are missing and in ours it's um it's discipline with with fun energy and passion so it's Telling, holding kids accountable for what they're doing. So uh, not the full extreme 1975 Bobby Knight, but in terms of discipline, Bobby Knight, right. in Coach K that way. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a great answer. Great answer. So, so NBA scoring records, we kind of see, to your point, 20 years ago, this did not exist. And now we see the phenomenons that are shaping the game at the top level, Steph Curry, which I mentioned, I do have a story about Steph Curry. I'll bring that up. We'll finish maybe with that. <laughs> okay. But NBA records, college records, high school scoring records, are you hot on those being broken? It seems to be getting, I mean, not just in basketball, but most sports, it seems like all these records are just getting broken left and right. you got to think with the analytics. I mean, I'm... Is that what's driving it? Is the technology? People are are kids being better and stronger and able to train better? What's the reason? D, all of the above. I mean, all all those things, literally. I mean, it's yeah. that players are better than they than they used to be, without a doubt. Maybe not the top two or three players, but everybody. The, the 12th guy on the NBA roster today is so much more skilled than the 12th guy 25 years ago. It's not even debatable. The analytics of the game, they're shooting. You know, Larry Bird actually pulled up a few weeks ago, shot, you know, uh, 200 threes an entire season. Steph Curry does that in... 20 games, right? So they're because he's shooting now, he might be shooting a lower percentage, but as we talked earlier, it's worth 50% more. So they're shooting the same percentages maybe as they did years ago, but now they're shooting the same things on threes. And so they're getting more points. So I'm, I'm hot on it. I think it's great for the game. Basketball's never been hotter than this today, and partly it's because the scoring that's going on right now. Yeah. Do you feel like the NBA game, I mean, Seems to be like the haves and the have-nots, you know, uh, as far as teams go. There doesn't seem to be true parity. Or is that just me? No, I think you're right. To our point about actual in-game analytics, general managers are doing the same thing now. A good friend of mine and former boss of mine, Travis Schlink, is the Hawks general manager. And they're doing things down there to try to get the draft pick, I guess, next year. Right? They're not. They're not – the players aren't losing on purpose, but when you 
when you if you put us three out there on the game uh, to play a team, we're probably going to lose, right? right? So they're doing some things off the court to help. You want to either be in the top five or the bottom five. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be middle, middle class anymore. Yeah. You want to be top five or bottom five. You don't want to be any of the other 20 teams. Mm-hmm. And so to your point right there, um, they're doing some really smart analytical things off the court just as much as they are on the court. So what about the kid that is pretty – you got you know this – eighth grader, ninth grader, maybe he's starting to play high school ball and he's training with you, you know, how, how easy is it for you to tell, okay, this kid is going to go to college and may even go past that. I mean, are you able to identify, you know, when they come to you, this is the kid? I think pretty closely we can. We have, we, we are, especially with the 90 kids that are in our travel program that, that play competitive with us, we give all their parents a window and I give, whether they're a third grader playing for with us the first time or they're a 10th or 11th grader, I think we're, uh, again, I don't have an exact percentage on this, but we have a pretty good um, percentage in terms of giving someone a window. A third grader, I can sit there and say, hey, if your kid continues, he's at least playing JV basketball and his peak is playing in Europe. And that's his window. Vice versa, once you as you get older, that window shrinks a little bit, either higher or lower. But, you know, a ninth grader, I can sit there and say, the best this kid's playing is high school varsity. And the, or the worst he's playing is high school varsity, and the best he's playing is Division Three. That window is much smaller. So we can identify pretty good. Again, as we had mentioned earlier, some kids grow. Anthony Davis grew eight inches, I think, in like 15 months You know, before he went to Kentucky. There's some things that you can't account for. But the average player, we can account for him pretty well, starting in third grade. Well, we are almost at the end of our time. But, Eric, I think you said you have a Steph Curry story. we got to hear the Steph Curry story before we go. December 2005, Charlotte Catholic basketball tournament. Blessed Trinity is playing Charlotte Christian. And I was selected at halftime by my coach to shut down the opponent that was lighting up the scoreboard like a Christmas tree. Steph Curry is his name. So I thought, okay, um, I, he's got me physically. Let me, let me attack him mentally. So I dared him. I said, hey, you're at the volleyball line. I'll give you that. You, you won't make that. Go ahead. Shoot it. He kind of looked at me strange, and they pulled up. He shot at Swoosh. They stopped the game. They got on the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, with that three-pointer, Stephon Curry's just broke the North Carolina scoring record. They give him a bouquet of roses. And, you know, as a three-sport athlete in high school, I'm kind of yeah, – I'm not used to – I'm used to, you know, breaking the records. Yeah, right? So I was kind not, of – Not being the guy that just plus, got – my coach said – you know, Eric, it's your job to now shut him down. And yeah. my strategy failed. Um, so I kind of, on the next loose ball, I kind of tried to make it look like I went for the ball, but I really just kind of, you know, kind of was physical to the point of contact. And uh, I got ejected out of the game. And uh, is that still what causes some of his injuries today? No comment. I'm going to recuse myself. It goes all the way back. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, right. I know who to come after. Statute, statute of limitations. I, I know the address of Eric Steph if you want it. You know, give me a call. Contact Van. <laughs> that's that's, a, a, that's a good story. That is good. a really good story. It's, yeah, but I think, was that the last game you ever played? No. Oh, okay. No, that wasn't the last game. <laughs> I figured you got spanked so hard by Steph Curry. You're like, ah, I'm done. I'm going I'm going to Notre Dame football. Well, listen, I got spanked so hard it would hurt to sit down. I had to come back. <laughs> well, you know, to sort of end on it, I mean, this, even stories like that, whether you're on the Steph Curry side or the defensive side, like, you know, when you got hit, those are the things that, that we love training kids for. It's just yeah. that they have these memories of sports and basketball. Yeah. Age. And, yeah, testament. Athletics is, is a foundation that carries you through life. Everything you do on the, you know, athletic, you know, battlefield, 
you can you can trans it translates the you know your job personal life oh yeah you know your faith life everything um so it's an awesome model i'm fired up to hear the story lee and uh, Van, thanks for Well, yeah, we could probably talk for another half hour, but we are out of time. And I want to thank our listeners for listening to Between Two Trains. Thank you, Lee, for coming on the show. Thank you, Erica, again for another uh, uh, co-hosting. And we will be back in two weeks with another great entrepreneur. And thanks for listening. funny story i played 21 a little pickup game against mike vick up at newtown park um which mm-hmm. is up off old alabama back when he was the backup to chris chandler oh wow and um his first year 2001. his it was yeah it was 2001 yeah, it was his first year mm-hmm. yeah he's a lefty i didn't know who he was at the time and then kind of we were messing around kind of warming up a little bit and i knew he was better than i was in eighth grade and uh, he's waiting for the five on five game to end he did a move on me that was unbelievable i could kind of show you he went through the legs had the ball, threw it around himself and around me, ran around me, caught it, and then went elbow, dunked it, kind of elbow in. Just a freak athlete, right? Just, and at the time, you know, that whole and one tournament thing was going on. So I was just sitting there as an eighth grader. I had my Iversons on. I was like, oh, my gosh. Who is this guy? That's if you can't teach. And then my, my, buddy, my buddy who ended up playing basketball at, at Penn, he goes, yeah, that's Michael Vick.